0: Other Side of Midnight. 77 W-A-B-C. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Moreno. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. I'll tell you who has not been having a great weekend and many great weeks. Those are people who have loved ones that are currently housed at Rikers Island. I'm very proud of the ratings for this show. We're killing it on the AM dial. We're killing it across uh, almost every major radio metric. But the one group that I've always said I am proudest about being number one with is the incarcerated because those people are the most interesting. And we have a lot of listeners at Rikers Island. And believe it or not, in New York, they have still kept in place the restrictions due to the coronavirus pandemic, which is making visiting Rikers very, very difficult. The Daily News, for instance, chronicles the story of Donna Hendricks. Every week since August, she has requested an appointment to visit her fiancé at Rikers Island where he's awaiting trial on a gun charge. And in all but one of those 20 weeks, she says nobody in the corrections department even responded. So again, on Wednesday, she got in line, broke out her lawn chair, and waited. And waited. Didn't work out. You see, Rikers officials banned detainee visits at the height of the COVID pandemic, and though the pandemic has faded, visits today are a whole lot harder than in pre-COVID times. Rikers still doesn't allow in-person visits on the weekends. Only video visits are allowed on Saturdays and Sundays, and in-person visits are only allowed Wednesday through Friday. What the corrections department is doing is making this as difficult as possible. Now, I realize there are a lot of problems at Rikers, namely with people. People smuggling in contraband and so forth, and leading to drug problems, violence problems, all sorts of other issues. I kind of feel the same way about the situation at Rikers as I do about Title 42 at the border. We shouldn't be using Title 42 and the fact that there was a pandemic as an excuse to have better border protections and a better policy with respect to asylum seekers. We should just have a better policy with respect to asylum seekers. We shouldn't have to use the pandemic as an excuse for that. Same. Thing with Rikers. We shouldn't be using COVID and the pandemic as an excuse to keep people from visiting their loved ones who are in jail. I don't know if you've ever visited someone in jail or in prison, but a visit from a real life person really buoys their spirits. It can make the difference between depression and normality. It can make the difference between somebody going down a dangerous path of drugs or violence and not. And it gives them hope and a reason to behave well and are something to look forward to upon getting out. I hope the The Department of Corrections gets their act together on this. And I hope Mayor Adams will bring back normalcy to the visitation policy at Rikers Island. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side at Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morning, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. It might be difficult to get an Uber today. I take Ubers as well as taxicabs from time to time. And today was supposed to be the day that Uber drivers were supposed to get a raise. But a judge has granted a temporary restraining order against planned raises just before Christmas. So the rideshare drivers, Uber and Lyft drivers with the Independent Drivers Guild are hitting the streets this morning in protest of what this judge did. This decision to temporarily halt their raises that Uber has actually sued to block. So they're asking folks not to take an Uber today, not to take a Lyft, and they're asking the drivers that drive for Uber and Lyft to essentially go on strike today so people could see what it would be like without an Uber or Lyft vehicle. The Independent Drivers Guild has fought for years for this pay increase and they're demanding that Uber pay up. This was supposed to go into effect today. Uber, understand, is not exactly hurting for money. They have record corporate profits and yet they sued to block the driver pay increases that have been approved by the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission. The raises these drivers were getting is not only badly needed, but essentially it's just bringing them up to what's minimum wage in New York City after expenses. So you're going to see hundreds of Independent Drivers Guild members caravanning to the New York State Supreme Court in protest of this Uber lawsuit. It's all getting started around 8 a.m. The drivers are gathering and making signs at uh, Tillery and Navy Street in Brooklyn, right under the BQE. And then at 9 a.m., the caravan departs and goes over the Brooklyn Bridge. Around 10 a.m., the drivers are going to rally and uh, circle around the Thurgood Marshall U.S courthouse at 40 Foley Square with signs and with banners. So if you're able and you want to show some solidarity with the drivers, feel free to go on out there. I will not be out there because I'm going to try and be asleep at that point, but I am Totally in solidarity with what these Uber and Lyft drivers are doing. I've gotten to know many Uber and Lyft drivers over the years. I've had many friends and family members that have done this. And these people work really hard. And there's no reason that this raise, which has been approved by the TLC, which would simply bring them in accordance with the New York City minimum wage. There's no reason that this wage increase should be blocked by a judge. So I stand Absolutely, with the drivers of these e hail vehicles, and I will not be taking an Uber anywhere today. Beam me up! To be continued. The other side of midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. I know we just got through the 2022 elections, but the reality of the situation is the elections for state legislative and congressional seats for 2024 have already begun. And I am happy to say that uh, a friend of mine is actually going to be running for one of these congressional seats in New Jersey in 2024, and I'm supporting him 100%. This is a seat that many people don't necessarily consider competitive, or at least they did prior to this year. And that's the seat that's currently occupied in New Jersey by Democratic Congressman Bill Pascrell. Now, my old friend, a banker, great listener to this show, Vince Miko, whose father owns a restaurant in New Jersey, says he's seeking the Republican nomination for Congress in New Jersey's Ninth District. He's a great guy who served two tours of duty in Iraq and continues to be an intelligence officer in the Army Reserves. Also a terrific banker and a great radio listener, by the way. He also won a fried galamati eating contest that I hosted a couple of years ago. I've never seen somebody put away fried galamati the way that Vince does. And he's in great shape, by the way. He's in greater shape than than anybody that would be eating fried foods on a regular basis. So Pascrell only won this year with 55% of the vote. So he barely won, and the fellow that he beat, a uh, fellow by the name of Billy Prempey, was not exactly a formidable candidate. And even though Prempey was totally outmatched in terms of name recognition, in terms of fundraising, in terms of everything, Pasquale barely hung on with just 55% of the vote. So Vince Miko, who's run for office before in New Jersey and has a, a big political base and a big base outside of politics, could actually make this a race that is remarkably competitive. Now, I'm an independent. Uh, I'm backing Miko primarily because he's my friend. But I want all the elections to be competitive. I want every Democratic incumbent and every Republican incumbent to have a competitive general election and, if possible, uh, have a competitive primary election as well. Pascrell is going to be 87 years old in the next election, and he says he is planning to seek a 15th term in Congress. Who knows if that's true? He may decide to hang him up... And retire, but uh, whether it's an open seat or whether Pascrell ends up running again, I'm pretty enthused about the fact that Vince Mico is running. He's got deep roots in Bergen County, and he's a great guy. Besides, wishing you the best of luck, Vince. Keep an eye on this district. Keep an eye on this race. Keep an eye on his candidacy. Beam me up. To be continued. The other side of midnight. Seventy-seven We need to talk about guinea pigs. No, don't worry. I am not using an ethnic slur against Italian-Americans, nor am I using a pejorative term to talk about people who overeat. I am talking about rodents. And there was a big uptick of people surrendering these rodents to shelters during the pandemic. After people who adopted them to stave off loneliness abandoned them. By the way, can we talk about that? Who are these people that just get an animal, get a pet? Because this happened with dogs, cats, and other animals as well. And then as soon as you get busy again, you just abandon this pet. So uh, the city council here in New York held a hearing on this last week. And they were swarmed by dozens of animal lovers warning that the city council if they go forward with this legislation that they're considering could really be going down a dangerous path and i think nancy sliwa mentioned this on curtis's show during their last hour so these animal folks warn the city council of the dangers of an out-of-control guinea pig population and they've urged the council to pass a bill that has been stalled this legislation from February, would prohibit pet shops in New York City from selling the popular fluffy rodents. What the animal advocates are saying, and they've been saying this for years, is that this ban would help stem the rapid breeding that has overwhelmed shelters. These guinea pigs breed like guinea pigs. And uh, the pet stores sell them. The people abandon them for whatever reason and they keep breeding and this problem multiplies and now we are living in a city that is rapidly becoming overrun with guinea pigs i don't know enough about this issue to have an informed opinion i haven't heard the pet store side of this but we are seeing some alarming numbers the animal care and control center before the pandemic took in an average of approximately 300 guinea pig each year but in the last 30 months which coincides with the pandemic that number has reached nearly 900 Because many people mistake guinea pigs as great starter pets, but then they realize that tiny animals eat a lot of food and need a steady supply of fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm not sure if there's something else that can be done because now that the pet stores are no longer going to be able to sell dogs, cats, and rabbits, I kind of feel like they should be able to sell something other than goldfish. But I also recognize that this is an unsustainable situation and something has got to be done about it. I don't have a solution, uh, but I think this ban on pet shops selling guinea pigs may have to be something we consider. Beam me up. To be continued.